see all of you breeze through that fog to get here this morning. It's a, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I thought about Valentine's this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, y'all remembered all of your sweethearts? Uh, you still got a couple of days. Uh, I understand a few years ago that uh, Cindy and John was at a marriage counselor, a marriage seminar. And it was around Valentine's Day. And uh, so uh, they were asking questions about what wives ought to know about their husbands and what husbands ought to know about their wives. And so they said to, uh, to the men, the moderator said, now, you all should know your, your wife's favorite flower. John jumped up and said, I know, I know what Cindy's is. It's Pillsbury All-Purpose. It really didn't happen. <laughs> he, he, he probably knows her flower. He probably knows about them dandelions. Okay? Well, it's good to have you here this morning in this service. I, I, I've been wrestling with uh, uh, the subject that uh, we face in this world today so hard to know what direction to go when we live in a society that there's so much corruption. I, I want to talk to you this morning about setting an example. Examples are important. And I thought about uh, examples that we have. You know, life is really show and tell. You know, we have that with our children in kindergarten and whatever. My, uh, I remember my grandson on show and tell you know, always uh, wanting to take something on his day. You know, uh, the other thing I noticed is that when you buy something that has to be put together, did you ever notice that the instructions anymore is not something you just read? They show you a picture and say, follow picture A, picture B, picture C. And all the women do that, but us men rarely do. All right? We put it together and find out what parts are left over, you know. But, but you see, what it is, is that we, 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 this is what setting example is. I believe, I believe with all of my heart that leading by example, people are more impressed when they look at us, they are more impressed by what they see you do but not by what they see, but, but what you say. It kind of reminds me of the special called meeting that the church was having, kind of like you're going to have a business meeting. And the church was gathering together, and they were talking about the finances of the church. And, you know, uh, the people were there. And, and there, this particular Sunday after the service, when they had this meeting, there was a, a guest there, and he was a distinguished young man, and... Uh, probably in his 40s, and, and immediately he said to the pastor, he said, can I tell you a story? And the story was, and he said, you know, when I was a young man, I got a job cutting grass and moving snow, and he said, I, I, I gathered together and I had saved it, and I got $20. And I happened to come to a service like this. 
And he says that the preacher was telling me the needs of the church and the needs that the church needed to do in the community and in the world. And he said, he so enthused by me that God inspired me to give the whole $20. I gave everything I had. And he said, I want you to know today I am a billionaire. And I believe it because of the fact that I gave all I had when I was that first $20 I made. Well, the people were excited and the fellow, he walked back to the pew and he sat down and just as he sat down, one of the little elderly women who couldn't even stand up leaned forward over the pew. She said, Sonny, that was a wonderful, wonderful testimony. But I dare you to do it again. It's easy to give $20, but when you're a billionaire, how much do you give? Setting an example. You see, examples is what the Scriptures is all about. First Thessalonians, Paul is writing to the church there at Thessalonica. He's writing a letter of encouragement in the first, very first chapter. It says these words, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church at Thessalonians. We always thank God for, for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We are continually remembering you before our God and Father. Your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. Your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because of our gospel, came to you not simply in words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you, and for your sake, you became imitators of us and of our Lord. In spite of the severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia. The Lord's message rang out from you, and your faith in God has become known everywhere. What an example. If only we could live as an example. I want you to know that people are more impressed than seeing, not seeing what you say you are, but seeing what you do. Youth and children certainly uh, can keep you honest, you know. Sometimes when you're saying one thing and doing another, the youth or the children will be the first to tell you about it. You see, I think about, we all know that, uh, we, that, don't we, occasions, many times actions always speak louder than words. I thought about a man that Chuck Swindoll tells about, a three-year-old boy, I love the story, Chuck Swindoll tells about a story about a young boy, three years old, whose, whose grandfather was a great golfer. I mean, he could golf, and so he had his grandson who, who became interested at three years old, and he wanted to watch his grandpa practice all the time. He was so enthusiastic about it, his grandpa bought him some clubs. And so after he got the clubs, about two weeks later, they had a family gathering, a picnic. And the little boy said to all of the family, you want to see me play golf? I learned it from my grandpa. And so he got out his golf clubs and he put the tee in the ground and he got back and he got his feet all planted and he swung and he missed the ball. 
And he looked down again, he reset it again, and he backed and got his feet ready and he swung again. And he missed the ball. Well, he finally moved it over a little further and, and got to thinking about it and got back a little further and he wound up and he swung and he missed it again. This time, he said a no-no word and threw the club up into the pear tree. Well, let me tell you something. That little boy learned more than golf from his grandpa. You see, the way his grandpa reacted to missing the ball, the way his grandpa, you know, you know, we don't realize how people follow what we do and what we say. And so Paul was praising the Christians in Thessalonica for being an example to all that believed in Macedonia. The people of Thessalonica had been worshippers of idols. And now because of the message, because they were imitators of, of what Paul was teaching to them, they became imitators of him in following Christ. And so we see that the great change came in their lives. The words needs to role models, the world needs role models today more than it ever has. And I'm going to say this, that even the church needs role models. We need those saints that will stand for the truth, who will believe it, who will live as that letter that you read this morning of that one who prayed and believed and trusted God and stayed with God. You see, we need role models in our world, especially in our leadership today. You see, I believe in the world that we live in today. We have grown. We've expanded. We have so many things that, that we've never had before. I, I thought about the, as, you know, the, my, my grandkids and, and, you know, everything they do is on these things that they bring up and, you know, they got their phones and they got their games and they got everything on these things today. But you know, with all of that knowledge, I wonder how much knowledge do we have of the Word of God? How much of us uh, do, do we spend time in looking at the Word? But today we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. Today we have wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more and have less. We buy more and enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. We have more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less common sense. More medicines, but less health. We all multiply our possessions, but we've reduced our values. We talk too much and love too little, and sometimes even hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but we've not learned, my friend, in how to make a life. You see, the problem that we have is we've been all the way to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to meet our new neighbor or to share with them. You see, we've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've cleaned up the air, but we polluted our souls. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. More kinds of food, but less nutrition. There are all, my friend, are there days of two incomes today. But as we think about that, we have more divorce. We have fancier and bigger houses, but more broken homes. It's time, my friends, that there is a there is a there is much in the showroom, but little back in the stockroom. Our generation has never needed a model more than it has today, and I say that not only from the ministry in the church to the White House in Washington D.C. You see, what we need today is people who will live with principles. 
People who will live with God in their life. People who will walk where God wants them to walk, the way He wants them to walk. You see, the problem that we have today is that God is looking for people who will not only talk the talk, but will walk the walk. And what we need today more than ever in our country, no matter where it is, my friend, is to have people that will live that way. One of the most familiar faces for years on television was the face of, uh, of the Wendy's operator, Dave Thomas. I don't know whether you realize the story of Dave Thomas or not, but Dave Thomas at 15 years old had left his house and went out on his own, got a job in a hamburger shop, and began to experiment making hamburgers, and he finally designed one of his own. And when Dave designed that hamburger, it began a new business, a new phase. It became the Wendy's. He became a millionaire, and people would introduce him sometimes as the boy who, without an education, who quit school. And it still became a millionaire. And Dave didn't like that. He didn't want young people to see him as being a dropout who achieved. And so at 54 years old, Dave Thomas hired a tutu in order to train him and to teach him that he could go back and get his GED. And it took a lot of work. When other men were ready to retire at his age, and with the kind of money he had, Dave Thomas was not wanting young people to see him as a dropout who succeeded. And so he went on, and he finally passed the GE test. When he finally passed that test and got his high school diploma, people began to recognize it. And there was a little school down in Coca-Cola, Coconut Flora, who had recognized Dave, and they decided to call him and ask him if they could crown him and his wife Lorraine as king and queen of their class that year. As he went to Florida that year, he was there, he was representing, because this school recognized him as one that achieved, one that wanted to live a life to show that his life was not one of a dropout, but one that was willing to lead young people. You know what, Dave Thomas has always had a program for young people. In many churches that we've known at, in Newcastle, Pennsylvania at one time, the whole staff almost in the Wendy's who were young people in a young people's group were working at Wendy's. Why? Because there was a, there was a standard there. There was a man that gave his life for, for the, teach the world how to make a good hamburger, but more than that, to how to make a good life. He always lived with those kinds of principles. You see, we need to understand today that it's not important Sometimes for, for us to be something that, to say we're something that we're not. It kind of reminds me of the woman, you know, that I read about that was in New York City who, who was on the council there. Assembly, uh, there in New York City and, and the newspaper, you know, they liked it. They liked the idea of broadcasting the bad things, not the good things. And so they talked about this councilwoman who, who was arrested for DUI. She was drunk. She was picked up. She was taken down to the jail. Everybody recognized who she was. Now that, that was a tragedy that this woman was. But what made it a double tragedy was that this councilwoman was the chairperson of their alcohol addiction program. My friend, we don't today, many people don't hold a standard. They hold positions, but they don't live by what they say. The, the thing that makes it hard is, you know, is that this person would live this kind of a life when she had this position. Does anyone ask? Does anyone have shame anymore? 
Is there such a thing as shame? I, I watch the television. I almost turn it off anymore because there's so much tragedy on us, so much sick people minds. But you know, we stop and think about in this world, has no one any shame anymore? You see, in the world and in the church, we need heroes. People who will stand tall. People that you can look back to. People who don't say one thing and do another. People who believe in their God-given duty to be an example. If for no other reason, to be an example to the world and to young people around us. People who believe in there is a God duty. Their duty is to be that example. And you know, we've got a lot of them in the church that have been that. I've known people that have gone through the tough times and the low times and the high times. You know what I appreciate? I don't care what size the congregation is. As you look back on the lives of people, people that I've known, I can remember as a young man getting saved as a teenager and then not only getting saved, then feeling the call to ministry. And I can remember those saints. I can remember it wasn't the young people's director that was kneeling beside me at that altar. It was the saints of God. There was Sister McCarty and Sister Jones who probably at that time were close to 90 years old. And they'd kneel beside me and they'd pray with me and say, Brother Swagger, trust the Lord. Plead the blood of Jesus. Ask for His guidance. He'll give it to you. You see, I believe that there are still those strong people When the church took its slide down, they were still there. When the church went up, they were still there. They were faithful, my friend. They showed an example of what life ought to be, no matter how young or how old you are, that you could live for the Lord. What we need today is people that will live that kind of a lifestyle. There once was a woman by the name of Rose. A rose was a, was a poor woman who lived in Albania. Her and her husband had such a compassion for the poor and the suffering of that town. And so they opened their home. Every day there was people. They would open the door for people to come in. They would sit at the supper table. Their children would sit at the table and wonder who the guest was today. And after so many days and so many months and so many years of this, finally the children begin to realize they just thought they had an awful large family because there was always somebody new at the dinner table. But you know what? Rose's husband died and struck her down into poverty. And yet through her life she continued to open her door. She continued to bring the mere food that she had and serve it to those that were less fortunate. And you know what? Even in that poverty state, she continued to do it. And there was one of her daughters who began to look at her and realize what her mother was doing and saw the joy that came from her, saw that she cared about people. And so this daughter began to follow the example of her mother. And then as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is that this young lady would become the person that had such care and such worried about the people that were suffering around the world, that she began to give herself out and and gave her life, never marrying, give her whole life to this. This young lady is known today as the Christ that walked the face of the earth is Mother Teresa. You see, Mother Teresa didn't just have that call. She saw an example that was set before her. She saw what her mother had. And so because of that example, she became the person that cared for other people. You see, we live life as examples. All of us have examples about us. Examples matter. The best hope the world has for God to raise up people, young and old alike, It always thrills me to see young people that are excited about ministry. 
It's exciting to see them go into ministry. And I've, I've had a few of them through the years of ministry that, that have felt the call and get so excited about wanting to preach and so excited about winning somebody to Christ. And they spent their life thinking and believing because, you see, they were an example. We had a young boy, I can remember one time, that came to our youth group in one of the churches that I pastored. He, he was born with some problems. His nose was kind of off and his dropped his lip down one side, had a little thickness in his tongue. And the little boy came to our youth group, but you know how it is, had a youth group of about 40 kids, and so those kids in that youth group sometimes would make a little fun of him. But we had a beautiful young girl who was a cheerleader in the school. And this little girl was the finest Christian you'd ever want to meet. She was not only beautiful in spirit, she was beautiful in appearance. And she took Mike under her arm. If you want me, you'll have to have Mike. And she put him under her arm and she watched after him. He went to all the youth meetings and finally there was a doctor that decided that he would take him in under his arm and he would give him, because he was in poverty, he would go ahead and do the surgery and wouldn't charge him. They straightened his nose. They fixed his lip. And because Mike stayed true to the Lord and followed the example of Michelle, I want you to know that I can remember him kneeling at an altar on a Sunday evening and saying, Lord's called me to some kind of work. And I'll never forget it. He, he wanted to go into ministry. My son was in Gulf Coast Bible College and was moving back to Pennsylvania. And he got a ticket. We bought a ticket and had him come home. And he wasn't going back. And I'll never forget, you can't do it today, but I'll never forget old Mike with his pride. He testified in church and he said, you know what? I'm going to go to Gulf Coast Bible College and I'm going to fly on the airplane and be Jimmy Swagger. You see, he was going to take Jimmy's seat. I want to tell you something. Mike went to college. It took him about six years to get through Gulf Coast. But I want to tell you something. He left Gulf Coast and became a youth pastor. He married a beautiful little all because, you see, there was somebody set an example for him. Let me tell you something. We all have examples. We have people that are watching our lives, that are watching how we live and how we do what we do. Let me tell you something. That young boy made a difference. You know, you know what I believe? I believe that we need to understand that we are all examples. Do you know today who I am and what I do affects who you are and what you do? You see, not only that, and the same is true, this is how most people follow Christ. It's not because of that we, are, that we argue them into the kingdom. It's not because we chastise them into the kingdom. It's because we love them into the kingdom. We help them to know that they're important. We set an example of Christ-like love and forgiveness. And I thought about the McCrackens having to come home. I've known them for years. But you know what? There's someone else. Many of us remember the story, remember the life. We're familiar with Paul and Margaret Brand. Paul is an orthopedic surgeon. And, and you know what? He and his wife was, had felt the call of God to send them to India. And he went to India as a missionary doctor. In, in India, I want you to know that the Brands were there for many, many years. And you know something? India has a lot of... An awful lot of those people with, with, uh, millions of people with leprosy. 
And Paul Brand and Margaret, both being doctors and being surgeons, went there to help those that had leprosy, to help remove some of that. But they had one patient by the name of Sadan. Sadan gives his testimony. He said, I was a leper. I was one in those millions of lepers. He said, when Dr. Paul came and Dr. Margaret, he said, I had sores all over. Leprosy had taken over, especially the lower part, my feet. He said, my feet were ulcerated. My feet were swollen. They were oozing. And he said, the only person that in my lifetime that ever touched my feet was Dr. Paul Brand. Now think about this, church. You're in a part of the country where the feet is never touched by anybody. The feet in that part of the country is the dirtiest thing of the body. And no one touches it. But he said, I remember the first time Dr. Brand took my feet that was ulcerated into his hands. And he said he began to work with me and he did several operations in the stems and and finally to the place to where he amputated some toes. And he said, I learned something that through the love and the compassion that the brands had for me to come there and to take care of me if no one else. And then he gave his testimony. He said, I'm so glad that I had leprosy. I'm so glad I had leprosy. Had I not had leprosy, I would have been a well person. I would have lived a life like all the other men in this community. I would have grown. I would have learned a job. I would have gone to advance. I would have wanted more and more of what life had to offer. And he said, I would have never known the brands. I would have never known the Christ that lived within them. He became a Christian because of following those doctors. Let me tell you, my friend, today, there are people in this community, there are people in your family, there are people that you work with, there are people you are associated with, all of them are looking at your life. When you say you're a Christian, they want to see what the example is. They don't want to hear the talk. They want to see the walk. They want to see what we're doing and how we do it. When we stay and preach one thing and live another, my friend, they know it. That's the reason why there are many people who say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. And I always had an answer for that. I said, that's where they ought to be. Maybe they'll get saved. But you know what? They're, they're, the world is filled with those kinds of people because sometimes we haven't lived up to what we really are supposed to be living to. That's how people come to Christ. You see, that's why Paul was praising the Christians at Thessalonica. This is how children grow into responsible adults, Christian adults. Oh, we had a, had a report this week of a young girl that her parents were just kids into my wife's youth ministry. They got, grew up and got married and went through their college and now they have two daughters and both of them have graduated from college and boy, this makes my wife old, you know. Uh, but you know what? They had, they had two daughters and now this daughter is married and, and she just had twin baby girls. They wanted us to know about them. They wanted us to know about those kids. You know what? And we've known this through the years that people, young people have done this over and over again. But you know what? They grew up to be responsible Christian adults. They serve in the church. 
When I go back to preach in places that I haven't been in 30 years, and I look at these kids who now have kids who have kids, and I see some of them that are on boards and committees, and I just praise the Lord for it. Because you see, there's an example that has been set there for them. And they keep following. You know what? Somebody's following you today. This is how people become faith. Come to the faith in living Christ. This is, my friend, they care enough to, because people care enough to sacrifice. They care enough to sacrifice their own desires to live a life that contributes to the good of others. People who care enough to set an example to love and joy and hope and encouragement. I, I got a call this uh, a week ago. They want me to come back down to Princeton, West Virginia to do their homecoming. It's off in September. And they want me to come back. And I, I thought about it. I've been thinking about what I was going to say. Don. But you know what? I, that we did so many things. And so many of those fellows that got involved in the church. We had a car club that came. And pretty soon we had all kinds of car, car club people coming to the church. We had building things going on in the church. And you know what? I tell them, you know what? You can spend the money or we can do the job. Now, we can do the job. I'll show you how it's done. I'll, I'll get in there and even help you. How many days? A fellow called me and he was talking about this. And he said, I can remember. He said, you had them clothes hanging in the office. I'd go up in the morning. I'd go to the hospital, make my calls. And I'd come back and be there about 8.30, 9 o'clock, ready to go to work in the church and work half of the day and go home, take a shower, and put them clothes back on and go do what I needed to do. You know what? It caused them to want to do the same thing. And some of them said, if the preacher can do it, I can do it. And so you see, we live by example of what we do in life. That's what's important. You see, I thought about this. I'm going to close out in a minute, but you know, I thought about a, a mother from Costa Mesa, California. She tells a story in Chicken Soup. One of them Chicken Soup's books, you know, I like them stories. But she tells a story. She said she had a hectic day. She was a mother of ten with another one on the way. She said, you know, when you got ten kids and another one expecting any time, she said, it's always a hectic day. But little Lenny was in the house and she was trying to get things done. And everywhere she went, she said, she tripped over this little boy. And she kept saying to Lenny, Lenny, why don't you go out and play with the other children? And he would just look up at her and smile and say, no, I like being with you. She said, after about the fifth time of stepping on him, she said, I was losing my patience. And I turned to him and I said, what has gotten into you? Why don't you go out and play with the other kids? She said, he looked up with them beautiful blue eyes. He said, Mom, he said, my Sunday school teacher told me that I needed to walk in the steps of Jesus. But I can't find Jesus' steps, so I'm walking in yours. Wow. Think about that. Wow! Who's stepping in your steps today? Who's following you, Grandma and Grandpa? Who's following you, Mom and Dad? Who's following you, young people? You see, there's always those that watch us. As we walk, they're going to walk. As we go, they're going to go. And that's the reason why I used to say, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Most people don't want to say that. Say, well, don't follow me. You could get in trouble. No, my friend. If you have that faith and you believe and you know where you walk with God, you can say to people, follow me and I'll follow Christ. And we'll go together hand in hand. 
I, you know, I've always thought about that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus had come? We'd all gather together around the circle in the church and grab hands, and we'd all be lifted up at one time. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? You see, because when we follow Christ, we set an example. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Role models still count. Christian example still makes a difference. The world is looking for role models today. We're not seeing it much in the relationship that we see within the world government and sometimes within even some of the churches. And the sad part is, is that my friend, Christian in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago, I thought about this, had that not been for their faithfulness, you and I may not have been here today. You see, because the church just continued to grow and to grow and to grow. We're a part of that church of Thessalonica. You right here on this hillside. But I want to, are you willing to stand up for Christ today? Are you willing to set that example that people, that you can say to them, follow me as I follow Christ? Are you willing to be that example at home? Even in the tying times? Are you willing to be that example at work when it seems like you're getting more thrown on you than anybody else? Are you willing to be that example in church everywhere you are? You see, my prayer has always been, God help me to be a better example. I know that there's been times when I may not have been the example I should have been. But Lord, help me, help me to be a better example in all that I do and all that I say and anywhere that I go. Anything I'm involved in, I want to be a better example. I work with a lot of older people. I love them. But I want to be an example to them. I, I want them to know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe today that God is looking for men and women and boys and girls that will be that example. Are you willing to be one? Are you willing today to say, yes, Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. Instead of saying, well, Lord, my sister is better than me. My brother over here is better than me. When God is calling you to be that example. Today, I prayer is, Lord, help us to be better stewards of the time and the talents God's given us. He'll bless us if we'll do it. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you today that there have been people who have set examples for us to follow. I know today, Lord, that I am what I am because of what I've seen in other Christians that I've been able to follow and mimic with a desire to do what they have done to be able to pleasing to You. Father, we pray for every person that sets into this room this morning Lord, we pray that they would realize that they are an example to someone around them this day. Help them to so live that they would lead that person to a walk with Christ. Father, we pray this morning, if there's one that has that need, wants that closer walk, let this be the day, Lord, they make their way to this altar. And just simply say, Lord, I want you to help me to be the person that I ought to be for you. In Christ's name we pray. Will you come as we sing?